Hi, I'm the Napa Duncan, and this is a bonus episode of Media Girlfriends. Hello again. I am here, Nanaba Duncan, and I'm here with my friend Garvia Bailey. Garvia, say hi. Hello. <laughs> so Media Girlfriends collaborated with CBC Podcasts for a special live event, and it was to celebrate a new podcast called More with Anna Maria Tremonti. Anna Maria is a former host of The Current on CBC Radio. And at the event, my Media Girlfriend, Garvia Bailey, who is a host, producer, and founder of Jazzcast, hosted this event. It was a conversation about conversations. It certainly was. It really was. Garvia, what did you think of it? Um, I thought the event itself was amazing. Uh, but what I was um, most drawn by was this idea of getting it, being able to sit down with a journalistic heavyweight like Anna Maria Tremonti. Mm-hmm. Were you scared? I was I was nervous, and I said so in the beginning. Uh, I think you'll hear me saying that it was a bit intimidating to have to um, sit in front of this woman whose job has been to do exactly what I was about to do to her. Now, I, it wouldn't be very media girlfriends of me to let this comment go by because you were scared to do something with this woman, but you also have so much experience Aww. in having conversations with people, in interviewing people. So uh, did you have to remind yourself to, you know, that you were amazing or what? No, I don't think I have to remind myself. I think that that there's also whatever kind of, you know this, that whatever interview you, you're going into, I think if you have a little bit of trepidation, mm. a little bit of of uh, it checks your humility going in. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's a bad thing. Right. So you're just like, I know I'm going to be amazing. I just have a little bit of butterfly. I don't know if I said amazing, but I, <laughs> I said, I think I will do a competent job and I will at least make some people laugh and well, chuckle. It was more, more than competent and we should actually let people hear hear what it is. But I should say that uh, while we there, we did acknowledge that the land we were on is the traditional territory of the Wendat Confederacy, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And today, Toronto is still home to many Indigenous people from across Turtle Island. And we are grateful to have the opportunity to work in that community and on this territory. I should add... Mm -hmm. We are on that territory right now. We are. And this podcast comes from that, that territory. territory. Yes. Uh, here you go. Hi, everyone. Okay. So, hi, everyone up there. How y'all doing? Good, good, good. Everyone looks so good and so ready for this. I hope you're ready. I have to say that it's not very often that I'm in a position where uh, an opportunity to interview someone comes up and I start to feel like instantly sweaty and nervous and anxious. It doesn't happen to me. Like, it's just not it, like it, a little bit, but it never happens to this extent. So when the opportunity came um, and I heard that I would have this opportunity to, to speak with Anna Maria Tremonti, I instantly thought about the fact that she is so incredible. She's an incredible interviewer. Um, she's an incredible individual. Um, she has this formidable career, a journalist, a multiple award winner. She woke up this morning and she won an award. Like I, And I'm not even joking. Like... 
She was, and there was someone who was like, you won another award. And she's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, she doesn't even face her anymore. Uh, we trusted her for so many years to, um, to guide us in our day. There is a, a quote from Henry Anatoly Grunwald. He said, um, this, is what I, this, is, this is the thing about Anna Maria. Something happens in the world, and then we depend on her to, to do the right, to, to say the right things while the echoes of wonder, the claims of triumph, and the signs of horror are still in the air. That's what she did for years and years and years. We trusted her for 17 years as a morning host of The Current on CBC Radio. She did what journalists are supposed to do. She offered us a hand when it felt like the whole world was kind of blowing over. She moored us. So I was a bit nervous when I heard about this, but... We met up for a quick little meeting a couple of weeks ago uh, and had a little conversation about this conversation, and everything changed. It changed because I saw that I was in the presence of someone who was so inspiring in a totally different way, taking a chance, going out into the world with courage. She inspired, she's inspired my own chances and courage. So... We want more from Anna Maria Tremonti. Yeah, we do. So check it out. More. Most people are open to new interpretations, surprisingly so. As women get out in the world and prove that they've always had this wonderful potential, then there's more to make fun of. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> when I stepped on a comedy stage, I was like, well, this is what I really want to do. Can you make a living doing this? And the answer was no. This is the most important part of my life because as an elder, I don't have to kiss anybody's fanny in order to be in the game. Talk to kids about environmental issues. They immediately go into problem-solving mode. It's adults who are completely irrational about this. I think the future is multiple. There isn't a the future that we are doomed to enact. Buildings are backgrounds for, for activity, but the activity has to be more than just making money. Talking about it online is a way for me to vent and like get my feelings out without having to deal with that face-to-face vulnerability. I don't think that coming out to my parents has freed me in any way. Like I think the hardest journey has really been being honest with myself. More is hosted by me, Anna Maria Tremonti, and it will take you inside the lives and minds of people you may think you know until you hear them here. Okay, so you know the voice. Please welcome Anna Maria Tremonti. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you have a seat there, AMT? I will. Thank you. I'm going to pour you some water. Oh, thank you for that. I've got the wonderful Siva Kleenex. Hi. hi. Yeah, say hi to them. Make small talk. <laughs> I'm good. Ah, Pasant, I see you. <laughs> These lights are very bright. Oh, and I have a little more button that keeps attaching to my watch. More. No, a media girlfriend's button that yes. attaches to my watch. Yeah. Say it, girl. You are a media girlfriend. I am a media girlfriend. Okay. I am, I am. Um, thank you for, for doing this. This is great. I'm very excited. How are you feeling? Well, thank you for all the nice things you just said. Yeah, I made them all up. You, I know that. 
Um, so before we, we forge ahead, I need to go back. I want to go back a few months, if it's okay. Um, you said goodbye to your audience. We already heard someone scream out, we miss you, Anna Maria, um, So I just want to go back to that last show. Uh, 17 years on The Current, and you sit in front of the mic. What was it like for you at those, those last moments uh, gosh, it was, it was really moving for me. And, um, I was, I, I, I knew we were doing a final show and it was like a special final show, but it was a big fuss about me. And that was kind of overwhelming. And it's not really like you to make a big fuss. I mean, the fuss, I feel, um, that it was around you was around the journalism, the hard, hard work that you would do every day. So this was a different kind of fuss and a different kind of shift, right? So this is, this is the thing that, that happens when you're um, in media, especially if you're a, a host. There is the internal struggle that happens when you make a shift. So you're, you're thinking about yourself and what this all means. And then there's the external thing that's going to happen as people look at you because you've spent all this time with being reflected back through other people. So I wonder about the conversations you had with the people closest to you about making this shift. What were your worries? What, were the, what was the feeling around? Um, a lot of my worries were about, can I do this? First it was, I want to try this. How do I do this? Um, do I just like do it as just another show? Do I step back a little bit and do it differently? Um, how do I do this? Why am I doing this? And then it's, uh, okay, well, what are you going to do differently? So I actually, um, I had a, a small circle of friends. I called them my advisors who would meet with yeah, me. Yeah, we call them a it. personal board of directors. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone um, should have one. Some of whom are here tonight. Um, and just talk it out, right? Like, you know, this is my idea. What do you think of this? Because I had a couple of ideas, and this is the first one. I have others. Um, but um, so I, I kind of bounce things off of people, you know, and people bounce things off of me, and I'm notoriously bad. Like, um, I have a friend in the audience who once said to me, I think I should, I really want to do something on the Christian right and what's going on in the States. And I went, oh, my God, if I hear more about that. And then it just blew up even more, and right. I, had, I had said, oh, don't do that. And I was wrong. She should have done that. Well, she, I, I apologized later, and she said, well, the truth is I didn't just listen to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know what? It, it's not so much the shifting into something new. It's the leaving something behind that I'm curious about. That's right, and it's leaving something behind that I truly loved. Like, I wasn't leaving to say, God, I get out of, I've got to get out of here. Um, but I actually think that's the best time to leave. When you think maybe you want to try something new uh, and something different, and you're doing something that you don't have to go. I'm gonna, I would rather go before, before I'm Before everyone's going, to. get out. Um, but so it's some, it's, some of it has to do with my own personal paranoia. Um, but it, it also has to do with, you know, wanting to do something different. And also, you know, like things don't last forever. They change and things need to change. And even the current, I think the current benefits from renewal. Yeah. You know, by, you know, by having Matt there. and So all of that stuff, it's all part of, of that that kind of renewal and new people trying something. And, you know, I, I gave up my idea that if I don't do it, it can't be done long ago. Right. So, like, you know, um, but I also like the idea of if I try something new, can I try something new and okay. that kind of thing. Well, we're going to talk about the something new, but I still want to stay with uh, 
what you did while you were in that chair for 17 years. And I want to um, play a little clip um, because you have um, you've done something that's been quite remarkable. For 17 years, you've been a part of the way in which we look at our country or make sense of things that are happening. So I'm just going to play, play a quick clip for you, and then I'm going to get you to just, we're going to just talk about it, okay? All right. Hi, Anna Maria. Where are you now? Um, I can't say exactly, but I'm in the center block. Uh, it's a lockdown. I've talked to different employees who are all also locked down. Um, so I can't really move from where I am now, and we're told to keep our voices low. And um, can you tell us if you're hearing anything? I've heard different sounds in the last hour, but I don't know what they, they are, because at one point someone came to the door and kind of banged on it, but not in a threatening way, So, but we're not going out to see who it is. And um, I've heard different footsteps above us that sound like big boots, but I can't tell. So do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that's Julie Van Dusen. Yeah. Um, and she's talking low because that was the shooting on parliament hill mm-hmm. and she was on the hill and they had to take cover somewhere and they didn't know where the shooter was they didn't know i, I maybe by that time he'd already been um downed i, do, I just don't know um as i think about it but she was trying to tell us what was going on and she didn't know what kind of danger she might be in you hear that in her voice yeah and in that moment i wonder as an interviewer because Really, this this conversation is 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 about um, about our humanity and the way that we interact with each other through conversation. And and in that moment, even though you're you're a journalist, was there something that you wanted to say that you couldn't in the role of Anna Maria Tremonti, the journalist? I think I did tell her at the end, like, yeah. be careful. I mean, Julie's my media girlfriend, right? right I mean, I used right. to work with her on the Hill, and um, um, and she's like. She's notorious, uh, notoriously fearless for putting a microphone in any political face to say, you know, what's going on here. And so I was worried about her. I didn't know yeah. about her own safety, right? And this is, we were going, I can't remember that we went, well, we went on the air that morning when the shooting started. We just like took over the network That's with right, the yeah. special with the Ottawa Bureau. And it just kept on going. Like middle of the afternoon, we were still on the air trying to figure things out. And, um, and so that was part of it and not you know so I was worried about her because there's there's somebody I know and I was worried about other people of course on the hill we just Mm -hmm. didn't know enough and we didn't know if it was at first I don't know if you remember we didn't know how many shooters there were it was one but we didn't know at the time you were so solid in in that moment and and like I said it's you know you were something to hold on to while we didn't know what was what was going on and I and I wonder about those moments what if you're going to miss that I mean we just had an election you were not on air for that, Anna Maria Tremonti. Oh, you know, it was I like so, how was it feeling? It was, it was kind of fun <laughs> to, to be away from um, it all. Yeah, a couple of times I sent I sent texts to my friends going, <laughs> "Okay, now I want to be on." You know, <laughs> but um, but it, it was actually interesting to absorb at that level. But you know, it's funny because that kind of thing for me, that live coverage of something. Um, bad happening and you're not sure where it's going, that is my, that's in my reporter DNA. Right. That's what I spent years doing before I even got to the current. So I'm not an ad lib radio person. Like I'm a scripted person. I can go off script, but I like the script there. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to that kind of thing, I just kick in, right? So for that coverage, that was, 
it was actually instinctive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes me back to my days, like in Jerusalem, you would you literally hear a suicide bomb go off and you'd go, okay, where is it? And you would run there and you'd, your crew would either call you or you'd call them and you'd meet there and you knew what you had to do, right? You knew, and, and like this happens. And so you have this scene and then later there's going to be a protest. And then later you're going to go to the village where this person came from or these people came from who had blown themselves up and you're going to find out about them and you're going to find out about the the politics behind this. And it's like there's, you know, for every action, there is a reaction and another reaction Mm -hmm. and and it's human nature. And it it became embedded in, you know, kind of how I would seek out stories. Right. And so then you have to, this is the thing, you're now steeped in this world of um, accountability. You have to, you know, the accountability interview is a thing. Um, Through that, through all of that, looking back at those 17 years, what did you learn about yourself? Did you learn anything that you've now pulled into this this new chapter? Um, Yeah. What did you say about my question? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Did everyone hear that? (laughs) Write it down and tweet it right now. Anna Maria Tremonti just said... Garvia Bailey, that's a good question. <laughs> um, what I learned a couple of things. Um, you know, when I started in this business, I, growing up, I I was I'm going to say was because I'm not really anymore. I was very shy. The idea of having a conversation mm. and starting a conversation with someone is just like scared the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> And But, you know, I had mean bosses when I first started, and if I didn't come back with a story, I was, like, going to be, like, this was not good, right? So I just kind of, you know, got my courage up and started doing that. But what I learned from the current um, was that um, I never thought of myself as able to have conversations. I could ask news questions. Again, that's the DNA, right? What happened? Right. What do you, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. But with a conversation, I learned on another level to listen. And I learned that um, I learned that I liked it, and I learned that I could be good at it. Not always, but often. And I learned I would come away from that just feeling like I knew, like I knew something about a person on another level. Because I've always had this curiosity about what makes people tick, mm-hmm. right? What makes you be this kind of person versus this kind of person? What what makes you? Um, do something bad or refuse to do something bad, right? And that's all about how we think and what makes you go down that road instead of that road. And suddenly I could ask those questions. And um, I already liked, like, you know, forget about the nobility of journalism. I loved, I'm a bit of a voyeur. I love being able to go in someone's living room and ask them questions and mm-hmm. look around. And but, but to go into their heads, right, and to really talk to them and to have a space to do that, that's what The Current gave me. And it helped me understand other people, and it helped me understand myself. Um, because by listening to other people, you learn things about yourself. You, you, they're either parallel or they're different, but they, you know, you, like we are, we are more alike than we, we are all very different, and yet we are more alike on some levels. We care about, you know, there's a, there's a deep core of humanity that runs through. Mm-hmm. Most, most people are not mean people. There's a, and, and to really talk to people about how that happens and mm-hmm. stuff, it was, uh, you know, to be able to do that and to get, you know, to do that for a living is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's yeah. not bad at all. And I, I, I often talk about that, that the, um, this path of being in a, a journalist or an interviewer, it is so, it is such a gift. I remember um, starting at the CBC and um, 
talking to uh, Andy Berry in the early days, and he said, um, you know, Garvia, you have to take this opportunity because there is never going to be, it's a very rare gift to be able to just walk up to a stranger or call up a stranger and say, tell me everything about this, or I'm going to ask you these questions and just spend, you know, 20 minutes just asking someone questions. It's a gift that you get to do that. It's a privilege, you know. It's one of those things that, um, yeah, it's it's good to be, it's good, it's it's a good thing to learn as a human being around about around empathy is is being able to sit down and just ask those questions. Um, you say in the intro of your podcast that you are going to um, learn more, but you're also going to give more of yourself. I know. I, you said it. I know. I don't know. Did you write that line? Because uh, yeah, now no, you're stuck. I am stuck. It's funny. And I like, you'll hear that in some of these conversations, right? I'll just pipe up and offer, but so, you know, like yeah. you got to watch that, right? Like enough <laughs> about you. What about me? Let me tell you, you know, Oh, you went through that. I got one for you. So you gotta, you know, it's, it's, it's a balance. Of, well, yeah. And it is again, that DNA thing that it's not, you're not the story, but this isn't, this is the conversation. And if you don't give, you don't get right. And mm. so, um, so yes, I'm doing that and it's not my nature, right? It's, um, probably is my nature when I'm sitting around with friends drinking too much, right? Oh, yeah, right. I want you to know about <laughs> me now. Um, but, um, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm somebody who kind of like tried to avoid social media for the longest time because I didn't right. want people to know about me and it's See, like, kind of like high school, what if nobody likes it, right? <laughs> like, what if nobody likes, you know, so it's that kind of thing, you know, it's, um, I, I guess it came from the shy factor, but, um, but I can't ride that train anymore. I'm not that shy. Let's face it. Well, you're not. And, and, uh, and you put it out there, uh, about giving more. So I'm just going for it now. Okay. I want to go back to be careful what you wish for. I know. Right. Um, I want to go back to little Anna Maria Tremonti and, um, and the conversations that would happen with your mom and dad. Did you, was it a, was it the kind of household where it's an Italian family out of Windsor, right? That's right. So, like, we would argue things. So, is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. either an Italian family, like everyone's one's quiet and no one wants to really talk about the heavy, or the, or like the Italian friends that I have. I see you, Michelle Parisi. Just want to <laughs> expose it all at all times. What was it? What was it like for you? We would talk issues. We yeah. would uh, argue. We would, um, you know, my parents were pretty curious. Um, my brother is a pretty curious guy. My brother is legally blind. So he could not see very far. And he, I would start, um, he says that any ability for me to describe things is actually due to him because I would describe, I'd go, instead of going, oh. it's over there, I'd go, it's over there by the wall, down over there. You know, like I would be very specific with him at times. Um, but, um, but we would, we would, you know, we would talk issues and other stuff. When I left home, and was working at CKC New Glasgow. My mother used to send me, this is before the internet, my mother would send me articles from the Windsor Star underlined in red with, with comments in the margins because she was pissed about something politically, right? <laughs> so it was that Talk kind of this. that kind of household, right? It was this Italian-Canadian Catholic household where um, and my mother taught in a Catholic school, but she was, um, 
She was pretty feisty. I remember we were in church once. This is the belligerent side. This is I'm telling. We were so we were in church once, and they were actually from the pulpit denouncing a hospital in Windsor because they had abortions, and it was a Catholic hospital, and they wanted people to sign some kind of a petition. And they were passing it along through the pews, and I'm sitting there, and my mother gets it, and she takes it, and she does this, like that. Like, she's not signing that thing. And so it was like, you know, that's kind of the belligerence I grew up with a little bit. Like, it may be a rule, but, you know, it, what is the rule for? Uh, you know, um, so it's that kind of thing. And then, you know, um, later somebody very close to me, my partner... <laughs> Hi, John. Uh, pointed out to me that sometimes my argue, my my one-upping in my family is, oh, yeah, well, I know this. Oh, yeah, well, I know this, right? Like, it's like, well, I read this, right? We do that. So it's well, kind of funny. You, you know a lot. I don't want to be in that argument with you. I, well, I don't win them always. Who uh, who beats up? Who beats you? In my brother. Time? Your brother? Okay. My dad. My dad has a memory like a steel trap. Wow. He's 94. He reads all the time, and he's like, this happened, and I go, are you sure, Dad? I don't think so. And he goes, yes, like, and he's right. And so, he's right. Yeah. You had a ritual before um, uh, getting on air on the current of with your dad. Can you tell me about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would always call him. My mom died um, several years ago. And, it's, you know, this is interesting. I would always call my parents, you know, from wherever. I wouldn't call them every day. But as they got older and I came back to Canada, I would call. But I, my mom was the conduit for those conversations more than my dad. And then my mom died. And, of course, my dad and I have a different relationship now with that. And I would call him every morning. I would, you know, tease him and say, I'm going to make sure you're breathing. Like, you know. <laughs> but I'd call him every morning before I'd go on air. Yeah. And I'd call him every evening, you know, just to say, hi, what are you up to? Would he offer up critiques of your performance in, in the day? No, my mom used to on TV, though. She used to say <laughs> things like, I like your story, your hair's too short. <laughs> I like your story, is that a new blouse? I go, Mom, could you, you got, can you just talk about the story? And then she would go, then she'd, like, she'd say things like, oh, I was watching today, and she'd mention another reporter. He's really coming along. Like She'd start getting into the, criti- the critiquing, right? So we'd have that kind of thing. Um, I think one of the most memorable things my father has said to me, though, about listening, I remember interviewing um, a 12-year-old who's trans and um, his sister and mom, and his six-year-old sister said to the mom one night um, that her, uh, her sibling wanted to be a boy. And that's when the mom and dad knew they should take this seriously. And the three of us had this conversation, and so I said to my dad, you know, again, I think he must have been about 89, 90 at the time. He's 94, going on 95 now. I said, Dad, did you hear that? And he said, yeah. And so I wondered what he thought, right? And I said, well, what did you think? And he said, I don't know why people don't let people be who they need to be. And I thought if my dad could get that, yeah. right? So that's the kind of that's the kind of house I grew up in. Yeah. So did the, the, the need to be in the, the world of media, that, that, that uh, inquisitive mind of yours... When did that lock in that maybe this might be something that you wanted to do for taking the the argument from the dinner table out into the world? Um, I wanted, I was really interested in writing. I wrote and I I studied a lot of theater. I actually went into university as a drama and English major. Yeah, I heard you want to be a playwright. I used to get A's in acting, just saying. What? (laughs) Um, I, I wanted to be a playwright and I... 
I, I, I always say this, but it's really true. I thought writer, the journalists were writers who couldn't get work. Yeah, right. <laughs> How dismissive of me, right? <laughs> and then I, but then I joined the student newspaper and I joined the student radio and I met, like I, I, that was my community through university. And by the end of it, that's what I wanted. And so I just started and I, but I didn't, I didn't have a, like I had a communication studies Degree. I didn't have a journalism degree. Mm-hmm. I had taken some journalism courses, um, but I just knew I wanted to do it, and so I just like I printed up a bunch of resumes and mailed them because again there was no internet, mm-hmm. and um, the, I got hired in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. That was the first. You know, I, I knocked on some doors and they basically told me to get lost. I left Windsor because no one would hire me. Right. And which the best thing that ever happened to me, actually, because I got to see this country. Mm. Do you still write? I do. I noodle. I do stuff. Noodle. Yeah, yeah I like, you know, write stuff down. I see where it goes. <laughs> and that is one of the reasons why podcasting is so interesting to me, because um, this is a conversation podcast, and this is a mm-hmm. long-form immersive if we can use that word of um dive right in podcast Mm -hmm. um but i'm also interested in podcasts that tell serialized stories right because i like like writing and telling stories but i have a broadcast brain which means my sentences are very short and i i think in audio Mm -hmm. um i think in clippage i think and podcasts allow you to tell stories like that Mm. i don't actually think in like newspaper things right you know you know what i'm saying yeah i think i know what you're saying i think i'm 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 picking up what you're putting down with that um but i do wonder about that that i was going to ask you about the art of podcasting and if you consider it i because i do believe that there is um that that creative side of you that you are exploring now and if you see this this role as a as a podcaster um, producer and, and host, um, feeding that creativity in you. I do. It, it does, eh? All the writing, all the noodling. Yeah, I do. It's, a, it's um, uh, because it is not as tied to news and current affairs, it's not as tied to quick turnaround or that kind of turnaround and, and as a hard a deadline, it allows me to think about things a little differently and maybe I will you know, uh, like I made that, like there's lots of different things I might want to explore in there and, you know, they might not be any good. We'll, we'll see. Do you think about the deeper calling of it? I mean, there is, um, as a, as a journalist, we have, I think, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think most journalists that I know are thinking about their job in terms of, um, being a light and shedding a light on, 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 on who we are as human beings and being and having some sort of an altruistic kind of feeling towards what what you do is that still transferring over into this podcast world for you yes yeah. yes and that, that is way? very true that's how mm-hmm. i always looked at reporting right you go somewhere and maybe you you put a light on something that isn't getting any attention mm-hmm. right um and so yeah and there's different ways to do that right so with conversation it's like um um, you invite people in who want to have conversations and who want to have like know about these issues and think about them and talk about them. But everybody's life is really busy. You know, you got mm-hmm. a mortgage to pay and kids to raise mm-hmm. and a commute to make and everything else. There's only 24 hours in a day. And so if you can have, if I can have a conversation that you want to have and you can be, 
you know, I, we can be in your head in that conversation, then you're part of that conversation too. Right. And if that illuminates a little bit about how somebody thinks that makes you think differently or just think, because I think that's the beauty of audio too. It doesn't use up all of your senses. And so part of you can just kind of be thinking about something creative from what you've heard, mm-hmm. right? And, or from what you're hearing. And I, I love that. Mm. Well, I feel like you... Um... I was I was talking to someone about about meeting up with you a couple of weeks ago, and and I know you as a you know I made the analogy but I, I know you as this you know I see you and I, I think of this shiny penny, I see you and I'm like there she's shiny little penny Anna Maria Tremonti, and then I met up with you and I felt like the penny had been flipped over and it was super shiny you know when that happened when it's just like bling you're like oh I'm blinded by the amazingness of this person do you feel like sleep. there's a that shift? Was sleep is it sleep? it sleep oh it's just getting sleep that's getting sleep no ah. but no but but i'm doing something new right and i'm learning and i'm learning from you know i i work with people and i mentor them or i uh, exchange ideas with them and we like we we think about things but now i'm learning from the generations coming up behind me and it's really exciting it's like you can never stop learning and um um so that's where maybe the shinies come from. It's exciting. I'm learning a lot. A renewal. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, we were talking about, about writing and, um, and novelists, and I want to play something for you right now. Speaking of novelists, <laughs> let's play that one. You are intensely stubborn in <laughs> both of your hands. <laughs> Despite the smiley, and I'm not even clenching my fists. The smiley exterior that. that you present, <laughs> I would not actually want to go up with you in a contest of wills. This may mean that you sometimes go head to head with people when you um, might more profitably slither around them. But you are, you know, people will find that out if they if they really want to have it out with you. You are. Um, you're kind of bossy. <laughs> you should see them in the control room. Are they laughing? They're laughing. Okay. You, you're kind of bossy. There sis. are producers from the current and former producers of the current here, and they're laughing. Yeah, busted. So you totally busted. So that was not just um, Margaret Atwood being rude. Um, she was reading my palm. She was reading your palm, so which is the coolest thing. She learned to do this because she did a lot. She's a Victorianist, she says, and because of Victorian era, that like they did a lot of that, and she wanted to understand the thinking, and so she learned to do that. When it was all over, by the way, she told me uh, my one of my left hand fingers, um, she, my creative finger. She said, um, "I'm very creative, and it's not fully realized." Yes. So that's kind of, that's better than saying it's completely realized you're done. <laughs> and you're stubborn. So, yeah, it's really done. Um she said she said a few other things. She said um she said the stubborn thing. She said also that your life and career are the same. Yeah. Huh. That's probably yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I, I have seen my career as a way to enrich my life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, I've, I've been able to see the world and tell great stories. That's because of my job, mm-hmm. right? And it's, so it's taught me a lot. And it's 
brought me um it's brought me face to face with things I wouldn't have seen. Um, it's probably, well, it has given me empathy because I've met a lot of people in trauma. Um, um, but it's different levels of things, right? It can be fun. It can be, um, it can be tough, but it's like an, ex but I'm there experiencing it in order to do the story. So yeah, it's very much that my, my career and my life, you know, there's a danger um, in that, though, as well, isn't there? Yeah, overwork. Um, but, you know, there is. And you can get, you can also get caught up in thinking that you are your career. Right. Right? And you know, your sense of yourself. And um, um, I don't think, I do think that. Um, I do fight for my personal space away from that. But, um, but in fairness, I also have spent long hours just doing that. And I think at one point in my life... Um, I really just kind of doubled down and did the work and ignored the personal. I actually thought I was no good at that. So I thought you're good at that one and you can do the other. And what was the fallout from that? Uh, you know, that can be pretty lonely at times too, right? So, um, so I went through that too. Um, you need some balance. Um, but you also make great friends through that, um, but you need to you need to balance that kind of stuff out. And there was a time when I wasn't as balanced, and I do talk to people about that. You know, sometimes when you start your career too, or at a certain point in your career, you think you're on a clock, mm -hmm. right? You don't necessarily see it as a marathon; you see it as a sprint. And at some point, I realized, you know, it's a marathon, mm -hmm. and you need to take the time for yourself in different ways. Mm -hmm. The other part of, um, of, of Margaret's palm reading um, was about, as you said, the creative potential and realizing that, that you have yet to realize your creative potential. It feels like you're on that path um, now <laughs> with more. So uh, take me to those, those early uh, conversations around what this, this podcast idea might be was this was it you you came up with this idea of these long form or who how did it uh yeah I I wanted to um I wanted to experiment in the podcast world because it is a more finite offering than a program um but I didn't want to listen to podcasts before were you mm -hmm. I was listening I... and I was watching my colleagues do it and I was mm -hmm. really intrigued and I liked all the stuff I was hearing and I was thinking oh can I do that? But that's how I've always worked, by the way. I look at what other people are doing, and I go, oh, that's interesting. Can I try that? You know, so it was kind of that thing, and I was absorbing. And not even absorbing as much as I could be, because, of course, I was working on my own show. So um, there's only a finite amount of time, right? Um, but so I didn't want to give up that conversation, and I like the idea of having more time for conversation. So that's what I basically pitched. Um, um, and so that was the, the start of that conversation, right? And, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I'm doing this because I don't know the word I'm looking for. Um, but it's, you know, we all have conversations, so why kind of thing, right? But, um, but I thought, well, maybe I could try something and bring something new to it. But then when we actually started doing it, I wanted to fall back on the old way of doing it. Right. And, um, well, it is in your DNA. You said that that yeah, old way is yeah. it's, it's actually within you. Yeah, um, I was listening to. Uh, this might be helpful to you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to help Anna Maria Tremonti now. <laughs> um, I was listening to the podcast uh, Ear Hustle, 
which uh, is um, it's fantastic. And they were talking about they were um, talking about their their origin story. And um, one of the producers who is an inmate, he said that um, at the beginning they were talking about doing something that was not journalism, but journeyism. And I was like, wow, inmate, you are so clever. Um, it just, it, to me, it, it kind of felt like where you wanted to go is to go on these journeys as opposed to, you know, diving into the accountability and the, if I'm going to talk to Kathleen, um, to, um, Malcolm Gladwell, we're going to talk about just his book and that's, do you know what I'm saying? So the whole idea of journeyism unpack, is is that something that resonates with you? It totally resonates with me. And again, like, uh, you know, that is a really good example of where you're going to hear voices and thinking that you haven't heard it, right? Like that you don't, there's not a venue for that um, that isn't sort of in, in a, in a structured way, in a sort of more mainstream media structured way, right? So it's, but that journeyism is where we learn too, right? Because yeah. you see, and this is, I've always believed that journalism is lots of things. Journalism is accountability and all that. It's also about societal change. It's also about what people are thinking. It's about why they do what they do. It's all of those things. It's not one thing. It's like a many-sided prism. Um, I guess prisms are always many-sided. I'm, yeah, okay. They really but, are. You, you get my You drift. didn't do math, though, so it's fine. <laughs> no problem. But, but um, but um, the, but, but that, and that is very worthy, right? Um, and so, but you, you have to shift. You have to shift for the way you do it. You have to think about how you do it differently to get a different voice out there or a different way of con- conversing out there. So what are the hallmarks to you right now of a good conversation when you know that you're like, yeah, I'm in that pocket? Um, well, you're, you're, you, you go off script, first of all. Like, you've got a plan, and it kind of goes over there instead. But it's good, right? Um, go, you go, I like to say, down a rabbit hole or off-piste. Mm-hmm. What was that? <laughs> off, what? Off-piste, you know, skiing outside of bounds and I stuff. Do not, you know? I, or I like, do not There's always ski. a danger. There's, so. there's a danger you could get an avalanche, you know. Oh, and then, oh, you're okay. a, then you're in a snowball, not a rabbit hole. But um, I'm but learning just, something culturally <laughs> here. But where you kind of just go off on a tangent, and um, maybe that's even more interesting. When you're doing, um, you know, when you're doing an interview that you've got to turn around for the next day or even a couple of days later, and they're, it, they're there for a reason, and it's part of something to turn around, often when that happens, you have to cut it out because you just don't have time for everything. But this time, so now I go in there thinking I might go somewhere different, and I just have to be ready for it. So instead of having, you know, like you have questions, knowing that you can change or skate as you go, depending on how people answer, but then I go, well, I could have a cluster, and maybe there's like this cluster, but I'll go from here to here, and this cluster disappears Mm -hmm. because we just land over here. And then I finish, and I go, what did I just do? You know? Well, yeah, that's what I wonder. Did it feel natural to you? Like, did it, no. Does it, it did, okay. No, it felt like, did, what, what just happened there? Are people going to like that? <laughs> like, are they going to be mad at me, you know? Um, you know, and I would look at Jen through the glass. Do you like that? Like, are, is that okay? Like, you know, I, I, I have my touchstones. <laughs> um, but, um, but no, it's not, you know, when, you, when it's, again, when it's part of that, prescribed I don't want to say prescribed because you can still you can still skate in a conversation and they can still go other places sure, sure. but when it's not tied to 
um, that turnaround. Mm -hmm. It can go other places. And maybe you were going to talk about three other things, but you didn't because two of those things were just more interesting. Mm. So I have more leeway to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's both fun and a little frightening because you're not sure what that's going to sound like. Or if it's going to work out, or if yeah, that exactly. person's going to come with you. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I, I imagine you, we see all of the uh, individuals that are, are part of more that he, you've had the opportunity to sit down with. And, um, and I think that if I got the, if I was a, I don't know, Naomi Klein, and I got the call that uh, Anna Maria Tremonti wants to talk to me about, about something, I am thinking about Anna Maria Tremonti that I've known for 17 years. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I am thinking about a very specific kind of interaction. And so your job now is to kind of break yourself down for this individual, is to sort of clean the slate. So I'm wondering, you know, just looking behind the curtain, what what that looks like, you cleaning the slate and getting ready for this kind of conversation for, with these individuals. Actually, it's a, it's a, that's a good one to ask me about because, yeah, I'm used to asking her about her research um, and, you know, the um, you know the issue that she writes so well on right now, climate change. And um, um, and so, you know, we talked about what are we going to do in this conversation and let's talk a little bit about Naomi Klein, the woman, um, the mom, mm-hmm. who's dealing with this stuff all the time, who inspires other people like Jane Fonda to get out on the street and get arrested because of what she writes. Um, well, like, how did how does she process, like, her view of the world? How does she go forward? This isn't, like, talk about careers. This is a, a career that is pointing out, like, you know, um, you know, human loss. Our and, imminent Yeah, exactly, extinction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where does she get hope? What is that? And then... How do we do that conversation? Because, you know, she's a professional. She doesn't always go there. How do I get her to go there? And then um, and then she starts to go a few other places, and um, it becomes a different kind of conversation again. Um, I want to just um, play just a little bit of Naomi. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't think we slept. We stayed up all night. Um, in the dorm at U of T. And I just remember that night, like, uh, just, I, just, I, I remember like a little TV in the corner of somebody's dorm room. And I just remember like the stories spilled out of the, out of all of us. It was so emotional. It still is for you. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was just struck by is like that it's still happening that, like, but so much more that they're, they're, like, that turned me into an activist, a mass shooting, because I had always, you know, I, I, I didn't call myself a feminist, sorry. So there's this deep intimacy that you've created in order to, um, create a safe place for Naomi to talk about that moment. Now she was talking about the Montreal massacre. Um, as you sit in the chair and, and someone is opening up, like I, I feel like it's this thing where someone is just ripping their chest open for you in that moment. Where are you? What are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? 
well, I'm really listening, right? I mean, we actually recorded that on the anniversary. It was December 6th. And um, this is where I did give more. And uh, because I had a story from that day too. And she's giving me all this. And so I started to talk to her about what I remember of that day. Um, and um, I, I mean, for her, that was the day she became a feminist. And, you know, she goes on to say that the list that Mark Lepin had, um, her mother's friends were on that list, some of her mother's friends. So this was a very real mm-hmm. thing for her. And do you want me to tell her what I told her? I, I would like you to share that. Yeah, because I haven't shared it publicly. Um, um, but it was, uh, it was something that, I, that I've always marveled at. Um, and it, that day when she started to talk, it, just, it still pisses me off to this day so, that I, so I told her about it. So I was working on the Hill that day on the Ottawa Bureau, and that shooting happened. And um, it, was, you know, um, it was a huge news story. And I'm, I don't remember, I'm guessing, um, some of my colleagues were dispatched to Montreal to help cover it for the National. And there was a political fallout as well, and so we all worked late that night. And um, you remember some of those images. Uh, well, I remember it because, again, it was something I actually, I covered from afar, but I covered the, you know, the, at the time. And you remember that Mark LePin went into Ecole Polytechnique and he walked into a classroom and he actually told the men to get over here or he told them to leave, I'm not sure which now, and he told the women to get over here and he started shooting. Like it was that clear that he was going after the women. And he shot women elsewhere as well. And so the next day, it's been a long night, we're in there and we're still processing. And all the women in the Ottawa Bureau not just the women on air, the women in, in, in producing roles and other roles, we all went, you know, that, my God, that was an attack against women. And all of the men, because I, I went around and we, I talked to them all because I couldn't believe it, all of the men said, no, that was a very violent thing, that was a terrible thing, but it wasn't directed at women. <laughs> and again, look at the year, right? That was the conversation. And, you know, Naomi says this still happens, right? Women are targeted, and it's absolutely true. The conversation has shifted somewhat, but that, like the women, we all went like, "What are you talking about?" Of course, it was an attack on women, and the guys were like, "No, it's a terrible thing." But it wasn't just about you guys; it wasn't about women. And you know, years later, I talked to Mark Lepin's mother, and you know, for the current, and um, she had written a book, and and it was going to be a quick turnaround. And I was like, "I'm not going to talk to her." Yeah. She's written this book, and you know, like I was like, I was so mean in my reaction I really like I'm ashamed of it but I I actually talk about it because it was a real learning curve for me I thought okay the mother of a killer writes a book uh, and I'm not so and then um one of my producers started reading and she says you know you should really do this and so we we did it really fast turnaround and uh, Madame Lapine was going to be in Montreal and um the studio technician in Montreal had a cousin who was killed, and he looked at the name on the roster, and he, he told the producer in Montreal, I'm not, I'll set the levels, but I'm not staying. And I was told after that he did stay because he couldn't leave. He was riveted by her. And she comes in, and I'm just making some small talk with her just to get her ready. To, and she says, oh, you know, I'm a little out of breath. I just came down the hall. So I said, well, take your time. And I asked her a question, and she starts to answer, 
and in you know accented English, French is her first language, and and it sounds like she's reading. And I like you know conversation from my yeah. studio to the into our control room. Is she? Is she sound reading? like she's reading? Yeah. And they go to Montreal. Is she reading? And the producer says, "Yeah." So I stopped her and I said, "You know, you're reading." And she said, "I'm nervous about my English." And I said, "Your English is fine. Your English is very good. And this is your story." You can just talk to me. And apparently she took her glasses off and closed her eyes and she began to talk. And um, she talked about the night of that killing and she said she heard it on the news like everybody else. She didn't, um, she didn't know that it was her son. And she was quite religious and she was going to a prayer meeting that night. And she went to the prayer meeting and she said, let's pray for the mother of the killer. Yes, your reaction was my reaction, yeah. right? Like she didn't even know. And then she went on to tell me that she blamed herself. Um, mm. Her daughter later died of an overdose. Um, her, she was in an abusive relationship with her husband. Um, that's what her kids witnessed growing up. And she felt like a failure as a mother. And she felt that her own, at one point, um, her kids lived with a relative and she would come home on weekends because she was studying to be a nurse because she was newly divorced and single mom and she wanted to, you know, she wanted to provide for kids and learn to be a nurse. And she felt that it was her son um, lashing out against her feminism. Right. And that was the conversation. And I was so ashamed of myself for ever judging her that she was somehow not worthy to speak to because she was the mother of the killer. Mm. And I learned a couple of times in talking to people through the current, that, you know, I'll say we in the media do it, but that doesn't excuse me. We treat relatives of people who do bad things as culpable. And they are as devastated and as hurt and as, as, cut loose and isolated mm-hmm. as anybody because they don't know how to make sense of it, right? And so I learned that from her. But with Naomi, I told her about that. And I had never really talked about that because, let's face it, I just slagged all the guys on the bureau. Right. <laughs> if you go back, you can check, right? Um, but but it's, it has stayed with me all my career because right. it just, I didn't understand mm-hmm. that reaction. Yeah. It speaks to um, the the importance of these conversations because without you showing your there was something very what you were asking of um uh miss lepine was um to be to be human to be to share with you in this moment of being very human you're not going to read this thing we're going to have this this conversation around this um I read that um, there was three attributes that someone was asking you about the current and three attributes that you needed to do your job very well. And you said, do you remember what you said? No. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing I'm going to, because I'm going to tell you. Did you write it down? (laughs) I did. I did write it down. Curiosity, humility, and skepticism, which is great. I think that makes Perfect sense. And uh, we saw that in your work. Now, um, you need another set of tools, maybe, or to add to your set of tools for this kind of work. What would you put on your tool belt to add to those three? What do you think I should do? (laughs) (laughs) Just like a journalist, just turning it around on me. Um, I think that you're already there. I think you've got... um, 
You're a great listener. You've got an openness of heart. Um, I think these, I think conversations like this require a degree of um, empathy and openness that I think what you did before has given you and set you up for this. How's that for an answer? That's good enough. Good. Not That's bad. Good. That's All good. right. Good. That's a very good answer. Send Garvia me a Bailey. check. <laughs> Send me a check, Anna Maria. Send it. But you know that that I I don't know the word like we had three words there, but the the idea that um, almost like you have to let it breathe and not. <laughs> Anybody who knows me is going to love this. Don't be controlling. (laughs) Because, you know, when it comes to, again, when it comes to an interview where you have, it's based on what's going on um, with news and current affairs, sometimes you really have to control the interview. You have to get to that other place, right? And with more, I'm trying not to control it. And I don't know what that is. And so it's like give up control. Yeah. I would say that, that would be, that that's would be, big. yeah, that's big. Um, but having those, like, I find that, uh, I love having conversations. I love this kind of thing, but this is more, um, draining and taxing on like when you sit down and have a conversation with someone, I find it more taxing than going, doing an interview where you have to go from, where you know that you have to get from point this point to this point in seven minutes and 25 seconds Absolutely. and not a second more. So uh, I, I wonder about, about that, about how you fuel yourself uh, in having these. And now, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's a marathon now, right? It's a marathon that you're having with these conversations. I fester. You fester. What I does fester, that mean? Like, oh, did I ask? Why didn't I go there? Why didn't we go over there? Oh, <laughs> That's gone more there. exhausting. I, I fester. That's really exhausting. So you start, you want to anticipate, but you can't. Right. So you have to actually, it's like, I guess, jumping out of a plane with a parachute, which I've never done and which I have no intention Are of ever to? doing. Come on. No way, man. No, someone else can do that. No, no. <laughs> I just Someone that wears boots down. like those has got to jump out of plane. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned the boots. Yes, <laughs> I chose them for you guys. Um, <laughs> um, there's always time to shop. Um, um, so, where were we? <laughs> well, the, yeah, the the ta- yeah, because it. You you it's... also want to do justice to the person you're talking to, right? For you sure. don't want to leave out something that would matter that they should have been asked about or something, and you're not always going to do it, and it's not always going to like that. Someone listening might not like that. Like there's like that kind of level of stuff going on, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also um, it depends on what they tell you too. If you're going to if you're going to go down a rabbit hole with someone, and they're going to share not just the way they think, but something that happened to them, and they're going to pull it out again mm-hmm. with all of the emotion that implies, then you're going to drain them, and you're going to be drained. And right. I, would, I didn't even know this. That's something else I learned at the card. I didn't even notice this or know it at the... And then I would, I would have one of those conversations, um, and it wouldn't necessarily even all get to air, but it would be there, and I would just... I would be feeling so awful for a day and a half. And I go, well, what is your problem? And I think, oh, I'm still back there with what right. they shared with me, right? Because mm-hmm. you just, you want to go in, into a zone. And I think those are the best conversations, but you do have to give you have to, to get give. that, right? And yeah. sometimes giving is just listening 
with a way that makes someone feel that they can give back, right? My belief is in the, is in the power of, of conversations. And I think that in a time, the time that we're living in right now when polarization and divisions and a kind of tribalism is kind of set in and it's hard to to shake and there's this, you know, fear and distrust of everyone and no one's telling the truth. And, um, and instead of having conversations, we're dipping in on Twitter and saying something and then dipping out and feeling like we, we've told someone something and now we know them and we know their heart. So I wonder about how you feel about the importance of these conversations that you're having. Do you see this as being, um, a part of that arsenal in getting us through whatever this is we're living through right now. It's funny, you know, um, each one of these conversations we were going to try to do like one area, like, you know, um, um, Frank Gary, I wanted to talk to him about standing out because his work is, you know, um, stands out. I wanted to talk to Samantha B about, um, how she keeps changing her career up and moving forward. And, um, Catherine O'Hara about collaboration because all her work is collaborative as opposed to like a one woman show or something. And, and all of those conversations ended up, they offered up the importance of, of finding a way to bridge and, and talk and actually talk to each other in a way that we actually hear each other and try to move forward together because this way is not working. And so it became all of that. And like Frank Gehry talks about you have to build a building that talks to the buildings around it. And it can't just be a building. It has to bring people together inside that building. And um, and I didn't know this about him. He talks about, the you know, the moral obligation. You, you know, I'm thinking of big beautiful building and he he cares about like he he hires human rights lawyers to um to oversee the building of or the the laws or something because some of the places where he designs buildings have terrible labor laws and um he does that and then he weighs in i'm not going to do this if you do that kind of thing right um and so everything becomes this Everybody kind of went to that place, and I wasn't expecting that, but that's how much it matters, right? That that something as simple as a conversation is not simple at all. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm hoping to do with this one, is to, again, make you feel that you're in the room and you're having it too. Mm-hmm. That Because we all need to know more about how to talk to each other and how to move forward, not only to hear each other, but make the conversation move forward. How do you do that? What, and, and if I can contribute to the ability to do that or to, to make it worthy, then that's great. Uh, download the, the podcast, have a listen, and thank you all for being here, and thank you for being just so kind and generous and lovely. Oh, thank you, and thank you for Shine. coming. And thank you for listening to this special episode of Media Girlfriends. Media Girlfriends has something new happening right now. We have two $7,000 scholarships for women or non-binary students who want to study media, communications, journalism, or tech. And you can be in either high school or post-secondary school. So if you want to know more about that, go to MediaGirlfriends.com. Bye!